Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. And we're doing exactly that today. I want to thank my guest co-host here, JJ Levinsky, for the introduction to Larry Yatch today with SEAL Team Leaders. Welcome to both of you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. When the music was just playing, I realized I think I interviewed Robert, but you and you and I didn't get to do an interview together, right? When you first... I don't know. I can't remember. So I thought you picked me out of an FBI lineup or something. I did, but, both of you, but okay. that's a whole other conversation in the second half hour of this show. <laughs> okay. yeah. so is this the rated version? This the is, yes. Version? Yeah, we're, we're just going to ease into the, okay. you know, the... the diff- <laughs> now I know. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah so. now you're prepared. Uh, so JJ is um, the host of, a co-host of Mac and Blue which is one of our newest shows. And you are the one who said, you really ought to get to know Larry. So I would love for you first to introduce yourself and what you do professionally. And then if you want to give a brief introduction to Larry, and then we'll let Larry fill in the blanks afterwards. Yeah, sure. So JJ Levinsky, president of Blue Wave General Contracting um, in the Valley here. And I was fortunate enough to get introduced to you as a guest first. And then it was, I guess my face for radio uh, precipitated and asked to come be a co-host for for doing our podcast, which was Building Arizona, which we wanted to connect everyone related to Building Arizona. Everything from, you know, capital and uh, architects, engineers, builders, economic development, anything you can imagine in that capacity. You and I also had a connection, Karen, based on my journey with Larry's team after I was fortunate enough to meet him and he he and his team have walked me through um, some really pivotal things in my own journey as a, as a leader, but probably more importantly, finding out about myself, what my strengths, weaknesses, my truths, my untruths, all those kind of things, which Larry will probably touch on. And he and I were fortunate enough to meet over 10 years ago, uh, he and his wife, when we were both based in Minneapolis. I met him and Annie through a um, YPO forum, actually. And then we re- rekindled our, our acquaintance last year about this time. And I've been working with him and his team ever since. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll continue to to opine during this interview, but transformative is an understatement of what he and his team have allowed me and my team to do. So can't say enough good things. I remember that's what you said to me. So you and I, uh, you had been a guest at, at our studio before you made the commitment to come and join us and do your own gig. Yeah. And you and I were chatting and getting to know each other professionally and personally and just shared some of that growth. And I remember you saying... You've well, got, I'll, go, I'll go deeper. Yeah. I'll, get, I'll go into the woo-woo stuff. Too, because I'm all about you, woo-woo. You and I, you were up on the whiteboard as we were oh, doing it, right. if you want to call it a shred of like our brainstorming. <laughs> and I felt your energy in the room. And afterwards, I asked everyone else to leave. And I said, hey, Karen. What's did, up? <laughs> I said, did you feel that? <laughs> Yeah. And you were like, well, I don't think you said it was a hemorrhoid, but uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had that effect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's when you shared that. Uh, I, I, that I shared my journey growth. with Larry. Yes. Yes. So, well, that's a heck of an introduction. <laughs> Very cryptic. <though>. Yeah. <laughs> like so, for someone that has no idea what you guys are talking about. All they heard was woo. And then they turned off their. <laughs> uh, no, but Larry, uh, the key, the key was, you know, how you had helped me see the light of my own spirituality and connection to everything that was one universe and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. So how, give us the backstory because you come from a very, I'm, I'm going to make the assumption, a very different background yes. in your career and professionally to what you're doing now. And I'm sure it all lines up, but introduce yourself if you would and clean up whatever we yeah. said about you. <laughs> Clean up on aisle five. Right. There's quite a bit of holes to fill up, you guys. Yeah. So, okay, where do I start? Uh, you're talking about... Well, just who you are in the yeah, background. I yeah. know. I'm, just to give a little framing for all these people, right? So, there's you're talking about uh, truths and untruths and spiritual connections and all of that. And then when they hear my background, it's going to be a big difference. So, yeah. my background originally is as an officer in the SEAL teams. <laughs> Uh, spending 10 years in combat. And then now I run a consulting company that does high-level consulting for businesses, uh, which would, when you're listening to this, you're like, how the hell does that connect to what these two are talking about? And that's really usually something we get into a lot later. But from the perspective of performance of a team, uh, we're 
our company is one of the best in the world at getting teams to coordinate action at a high level. We would get into companies and do that and we would see them grow, right? Mm -hmm. So normally it was rapid growing companies that hit barricades are the ones that came to us. We would reestablish that growth trajectory. And then at some point, they would either level off or actually start to go down. And structurally, there was nothing structurally wrong with a company because that's what we fixed. And that bothered me. I mean, it bothered me that a company that has no reason to slow down would actually have these, these plateaus or even these dips. And what I realized was the same language patterns that existed in combat veterans were being used by the CEO. And that's where I made the connection that the biggest limitation of growth of a structurally sound company are the unresolved traumas of the CEO. <laughs> And that's something I've never heard anyone say anywhere. Oh. And when we started leveraging the same tools that I had used originally to heal my post-traumatic stress from combat and was leveraging with people that had traditional trauma, right? War, sexual assault, uh, massive injuries, loss of loved ones, those things. I started leveraging that with CEOs that had never identified with being traumatized. Wow. Uh, we, were see we saw... Like explosive growth would be putting it lightly, uh, not only in their life, but in the business, and that's that's what these that's what yeah. JJ's and I, I went about. I went through it, yeah. And mm -hmm. so I can attest to everything he's talking about. You go in blind as a baby out of the womb, and you come out with going, "Oh yeah, <laughs> it's now all been it. right there." <laughs> yes, now I can see. Yeah. <laughs> Now I can see how it's all connected. The yeah, right. the, now I understand the matrix. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that helps give some background on yeah. how does an, an officer in the SEAL teams that runs a, a company that creates high performance in large organizations start talking about uh, spirituality, trauma, and the like. It's connecting some worlds that I don't think anyone's ever connected before. And so needed. Very much so. And be, you know, why do we, we focus this this trauma healing on CEOs because we can have the greatest impact, right? We change one CEO's life. Yes, their life changed, their family's life changes, but because they create the culture of the organization, yeah. the traumas of the CEO exist in the traumas of, of everyone within it. Meaning someone who doesn't share that trauma pattern will not stay in the organization and leave. So you end up with this like collective group of trauma from the top. And when you fix the top, it just goes all the way through the organization. So we, we believe that we can have the greatest change in the world by healing CEOs, not only on the economic front, but on the personal front for them and their organizations. And what's hilarious is that's the smallest part of our company. Like that's not our core piece, like that's the the small part of what we do, but it is one of the most unique. Is it the foundation? It's weird. It's it's either the foundation. Let's let's let me say it more of the entry point, mm -hmm. or yeah. it becomes not so much the exit point, but at the end, right? So every entrepreneur that we've ever worked with, and we work with well at this point, well over a hundred. So this isn't one or two off, like there's quite a few, not one of them identifies as being traumatized beforehand. Right. And they definitely don't attribute every problem in their business and their <laughs> lives to them. Like, so Touché. that's another one. Right. right? <laughs> it's everybody else. Yep. It's not me. <laughs> and so there's a lot of convincing on that front. So either they come to us with amazing accomplishments, amazing businesses, yeah. amazing lives that they are completely unfulfilled in, or they come to us saying, I keep having the same crash or problem or limitation mm -hmm. and nothing I'm doing is fixing it. And at that point, they'll start there. Or they're, oftentimes their egos are so big that it's not my, my fault. It's everyone else's fault. Yep. Will fix the company and they still have issues. And at that point, there's there's no one else to look at. And so then it can be the exit, if you will, of the whole company's fixed. Now it's time to fix you. Yeah. What, um, for the, Larry, for the relatability of the listener and the viewer, pardon my French here, Karen, you know, you're this badass seal for 10 years. Bridge the gap for the listener of 
that experience to how you got to this? I mean, you touched on it, but you did it in about 10 seconds. So every, cause everyone is, you know, oh, you're a seal. Okay. Well, we're not here to talk about your seal life, but yet what, what in that environment and that life led to where you are now? Well, first I didn't choose to not be a seal, right? That's a, a big one. I got injured. So I got medically retired after 10 years of service and my service was in the Middle East from 1998 to 2008. So a very, very busy time doing a lot of, of pretty big and dangerous things. So for me, I, from third grade, saw Top Gun, decided I want to be a fighter pilot and found out about the Naval Academy. All the best fighter pilots went there. So from third grade, that's what I'm doing. Uh, I found out about the SEALs about seventh grade determined the fighter pilots were pansies. I needed to be a Navy SEAL <laughs> and went to the Naval Academy, went through SEAL training, and then went to SEAL Team 3, which is, like I said, responsible for the Middle East, and then had my career. And my career is a very busy career. Got injured a number of times eventually of a botched surgery ended my career. Mm -hmm. And I was laying in the hospital with no purpose. Like, I had no plans to get out. Uh, I was, that's all I'd ever wanted to do. I had this perception that all I was good at was destruction. Like I broke things professionally and people for a living. Like that's what I did. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of job offers for especially someone that. Part of well, a regular some, uh, PTA conversation. Yeah, yeah some, some of the job offers, but they're not ones we would talk about. They're no. kind of. <laughs> and it being broken, right? right? So I was physically broken. So all yeah. the traditional things that contracting CIA, yeah, that stuff, law enforcement are out. Uh, and it was my business partner now at the time that. Uh, she has a master's in international security and anti-terrorism from Georgetown. So she was working in the intelligence fields while I was out on the front lines. And it was, it was her that identified that my particular form of leadership was based very strongly on empowerment through education, through training my people to lead well, so I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And that's where she came up with the concept that we could continue protecting the world through education versus through our frontline efforts. And so that was the start of our entrepreneurial career in training companies. And we uh, built and ran a, a number of successful training companies in different domains that eventually led to team optimization, perf team performance, leadership development, and the like. And then the underbelly of it, that's the word I always trauma. use, is his trauma. I, I am right there with you. Yeah. I, I think JJ knows this. I opened Business Radio X, this particular studio, I'm a licensed partner five years ago, because I have been coaching and consulting. We can call it life coaching. Right. I hate that term because anybody could hang a shingle and not have proper training. And the more I worked with CEOs, community leaders, as in mayors and folks yep. who run cities, attorneys and doctors, the folks who had a lot of weight with the people that they cared for, very well respected often, but could really, to, to what you're talking about, if we can help CEOs understand the value of what they bring and heal their trauma and bring their whole organization, the people they yeah. serve to a place of harmony and success and clarity, we're making a difference in the world. For so sure. that's actually in a very different way how I opened Business Radio X because I was finding that those folks were not referring me, even though I was on speed dial and they were saying, I finally had that conversation or I've cleaned this up or this and that. So I knew we were succeeding with the support I was giving them one-on-one -on -one in my consulting. And I went to my coach at the time and I said, they're not referring me. And I've been always refer by referral only. Something's got to change. And so we just created Business Radio X, an opportunity for me to leverage, right, and become yep. more visible and have more impact. And now, five years in, this is the opportunity for me, which why I, I love this conversation, uh, because now I've got the um, the credibility. Platform. And the platform and <laughs> a most recent, very visible experience with my own trauma and healing that it's all just kind of collided and said, wow, the time is now. So I, I love that, uh, that, you, that you're already doing the work. Yeah, it's awesome to hear your story and to be able to make that progression. And so we, that was how we got into team optimization, leadership development. And we were doing it in a very traditional way. So we were doing traditional as big companies. So generally, like smallest we deal with would be 20 or 30 million a year wow. in revenue. I mean, mm -hmm. it, so it was much larger than that, uh, usually in the 100 million, 200, 300, a couple billion dollar companies. And we would do in-person training and we would train all managers on every level. And 
we were having, I mean, we were producing good accomplishments. It wasn't, didn't feel very successful in that it was kind of a miserable life. It was myself, two other SEALs. We were traveling a ton. You'd get into a room at a billion dollar company, every manager, that's like 600 people. So you get in a room in front of two, 300 people at a time and maybe 10% want to be there. The others are told to be there based on their, their CEO or their manager told them they had yeah. to be there. So for the first two or three months, you're just creating enough credibility and need that they're going to pay attention. And at the end of it, we would have raving reviews from HR and they'd see differences in the company, but we knew that we only, we only took like a foot, right? Like we only made like two feet of difference from what we could do. And so six years ago, we went full live virtual. So we fired every client. We fired, we closed our all three businesses down except for this uh, will be consulting business. And in that we had one client because we had a contract and that's it and started over and built it from scratch. And we identify that if we went live virtual and this is three, four years before COVID. So no one knew what Zoom was. Like it, it, we would run classes and it'd be two or three classes before everyone could get their video camera on at the wow. same time. And it was an uphill fight to get companies to believe that virtual training done live was as effective, if not much more effective than in person. And it gave us the opportunity to mix companies. So we right. would have mixed classes where we'd have just the people that wanted to learn from four different companies in a class at the same time. And the results were awesome. Was the catalyst for this decision based on, gee, we don't want to travel anymore and we want to have a stronger, greater impact and we know how to do that? The, I'd say the primary driver was our life was miserable. Yeah. Like we're running three companies and anyone would look at us and say, look at how successful they are, what they're doing. You know, at that point in time, we were impacting 15, 20,000 people a year. We were in contact with yeah. 20,000 yeah. people a year. How many were we impacting the weight, what we would consider a check mark? Maybe 2%. And, and the beautiful part of this conversation from where I'm, I'm witnessing is that you are a mirror to your clientele. Oh, yeah. oh 100%. <laughs> right? it's the, it's, and that's one of the things we always want to have people take a look at. Like, mm -hmm. what, what, is, what is reflecting back to you? And where are you that, whether it's light or dark? Yeah, that's incredible. And we are saying we aren't living our principles, our yeah. basic principle on success. How can we expect them to? Yep. The, the traditional understanding of success is that it's meeting, setting goals or objectives and meeting it. And if you set goals or objectives and consistently meet those, you're successful. But if you do that with misery and suffering, you are not successful. And that we redefine success as an optimized daily experience that's sustainable over time. And when we did that, we looked at ours and wow. said, ours is not sustainable. It is not optimized. We need to redo this. And so we, we risked a ton, like we risked a ton in doing this. And then building for those first couple of years was hard because it was an uphill fight every time we were, we were selling and then we'd have great results. And that was another fight. It required us to get really good at distribution of content because when you're delivering in that live format you have no slop like you can't just be in the front of people you know you can waste a lot of time in front of a big audience with a whiteboard but doing it in a virtual format you got to keep their attention and we had to do it with mixed company so it had to be wow. fundamental information not specific information which is fundamentally sound content is much harder to develop than specific content and we had to get good at having a remote team so we had we went from 40 people, 40 employees and three different businesses all in person to, to just the two of us. And then we started hiring people all over the country. One of our, uh, Karimon, which yeah. you know, is in Tucson. She worked for us for two years before I ever met her, right? Our operations, Nick, who runs the company, more or less runs the company. I didn't meet him in person for a year and a half. And so then COVID hit and everything changed, right? For us, it got so easy. I was just going to ask, it, everything changed for you. And I'm thinking, I'm leaning in because it had you had already set the precedence and worked out a good portion of the kinks while the rest of us were like, oh no, we got to go remote. And so a couple of things. One, like we had a class start in April of 2019. Okay. We had one person not show up for that class based on the fact that he ran a hospital and he just was busy. But 
that's when everything shut down for everyone and we're running one of our biggest classes and everyone shows up and we didn't skip a beat. So there's about a month or two of no one wanting to spend money. But then come June, now all of a sudden companies are having to deal with stressed employees, right? That are under stress, operating environments they've never operated in remotely. All the weaknesses of, of coordination of action show up in spades and we are we know how to fix that. that's what we do is fix that stuff yeah so it was uh it was a whole different world for us we just got busier and busier and busier and it was weird in the middle of that we were joking that what's wrong with us that the new covid norm when it was in the heat, <laughs> heat of that was our norm like nothing changed like I was still in my office in my pajamas doing my work I didn't go out I invented suit? the I invented the paradigm by the way yeah. <laughs> suit up top and pajamas yeah, on, exactly. and bunny slippers on the bottom yeah. <laughs> business on the top yeah. the, yeah. it's like the inverse mullet right right <laughs> and we're nothing changed not at all mm-hmm. and so that that really helped refine that what we we're doing was right and it enabled us to get get out to more people And then the trauma stuff showed up two, three years after that. Okay, so this is even prior. All what you're sharing with us is prior to really honing in on trauma is paramount. Yep. So six years ago, we made that shift where we shut everything down and sold sold the other companies or shut them down, Mm -hmm. all everything we did. And the core driver for this, which is kind of unique, we're, if I would say, what are we the best at? We're the best at behavior change. So systematically implementing changes in behavior for an individual or a group. Mm-hmm. And in essence, that's leadership, right? Leadership is where you influence the behavior of another towards a better outcome. We're very good at that and very systematic at it. And what we knew was that our lack of success was due to our subconscious behavior, right? Our conscious choices we're good, but the vast majority of the, the choices you make on a daily basis are subconscious. And when I say vast, I mean by orders of magnitude. And we knew that the biggest driver to a subconscious behavior is the environment, right? A, a subconscious behavior is a reaction. A reaction means I get a stimulus and then an automatic program kicks out a response. So you can either reprogram the program or you can change the stimulus. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that if we stayed in the same environment and wanting to make these changes in our lives, we would have recreated subconsciously the same thing. So we set forth to change everything and all the way to the point of we sold everything we owned. Uh, We had at the point, we had a a two-year-old and four-year-old, two boys. And we said that every four to six months, we were going to move. So we lived completely mobily. We had no nothing we own. We'd live in furnished Airbnbs, just places that we wanted to live. And as soon as our behavior started to create the same problems, we'd shift to another place. And we did that for three years on top of while we were building the company solely to live what we teach that to reprogram our subconscious behaviors, we have to modify our environment to create the right environment to create better choices, which then reprogram the programs. And so that was it. So that's not as simple an answer as uh, we decided to change the business model. <laughs> no, it it speaks volumes to me. And JJ keeps looking over at me. He's like, "She's." I, I knew she'd love this conversation. <laughs> I knew you'd back out on it. No pun intended. <laughs> totally. This I, I'm fascinated. So you spoke a little bit. Is it Annie? Is that, yes. Yes. And so she's your wife and business partner. So we were married for uh, 14 years. Uh, we've sep- we've been separate. Our marriage has been over for two years, but okay. we work completely hand in hand with the business and parenting. Like, we identified that we've been better partners than lovers since we were married. Cause we are, we're like perfect, like perfect halves of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Like she's heads and I'm tails. Our perceptions of the world are, are completely opposite, which enable us to completely back each other up in every way, shape and form. And since we first met, we had a huge mission. Like we're driven to accomplish big things together. And we, we thought that was because we were married, but in reality, it was just because we're really good partners. Uh, I love it. And, so, and another great testimony yeah. to doing the work. Oh, for sure. And 
that led to the trauma stuff. So as we're making this change, the changes we're making, we identified one, we needed the subconscious change, but the biggest thing was our traumas. My post-traumatic stress was very obvious where it came from. Uh, hers, not so much, but she couldn't have been attracted to me if she was whole and healthy, right? Her trauma picked my trauma and that's where mm -hmm. we connected. And so the, over these five, six years, not only did we make it a point to, to change the business and change our lives, but we knew that we had to change ourselves in and heal our traumas in order to be the partners we wanted to be to each other and to be in the business that we needed to be. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where the trauma stuff worked. It was on ourselves. And as we healed ourselves, we started to see the patterns in others. And I'm a systems guy. I can't do things more than one, twice without wanting some system for it. So and and then sharing it, <laughs> and then share and then leverage it for yeah. others. And so that's where I started to to put systems to post traumatic stress. Right, how to heal post traumatic stress. One, how to explain it to understand what it truly is and help others do that. And then more importantly, reprogram it. And we, I do it linguistically through linguistic tools. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So on that, Larry since I'm one of the privileged people that gets to see behind the scenes on your systems, let the listeners and viewers know that you do have a new book out. Oh, yes. And so shameless self-promotion. Go yes. for it. Well, that was J JJ promotion. Oh, okay. And it just, came, it just came out. I yeah, May 10th, yeah. two weeks ago. So uh, super excited. We, I was very, very careful with writing a book, right? A lot of SEALs write books. And... I didn't want to write the same book that every other SEAL writes. Uh, this is not a book of stories. Uh, it isn't a book of here's my experiences in the SEALs for you to be entertained in. Uh, this book is based on over 14 years of working in the civilian world on businesses and having to live in the gap between what I got to experience as a as one of the highest performing operators in one of the highest performing units in the world to the absolute dysfunction that is civilian business. And being able to see that gap, it's taken me 10 years to figure out how to close it. And that's what the book is, is how to close the gap between the high performance of the SEALs in business from someone that has built and run business. And, you know, I love uh, Jocko and Leif with, extreme ownership, but that book is a book about SEAL leadership. Now you can take it and apply it to business. It isn't a book about business leadership from a SEAL. Uh, that's the difference. This is a book about business leadership from a guy that happened to be a SEAL. And what kind of feedback are you getting so far? I'd imagine people are just ecstatic about it. My unique skill is distilling complex things into uh, a principle that you feel like you're remembering instead of learning. And he's like butter, isn't he? Just <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah. Definitely not margarine, but butter, yeah. <laughs> it's just so you that that's exactly what you're doing, even for me. I, I love it. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, please. I'll, I'll well, take that any day. Let me it. let me chime in because you know, one one of the main reasons that I reconnected with Larry was I had gone down to Jocko and Leif and I know his fraternity actually pretty well. Um, it, it's amazing that once you're connected to one seal, it seems like it's just awkward for as limited <laughs> as their fraternity is, you're exposed to a lot of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had read all of, you know, whether it's his podcast, books, whatever, both of them, and even some other ancillary people that mm -hmm. were involved. And that's when I reached back out to Larry because I was like, I love good. those. I love those yeah. guys, Something's but that isn't what missing. I want. That isn't what I want. Mm -hmm. So I can also tell you that you know, not only have I read his book, but we as a company yeah. are. I mean, Larry, help me put it in context because I don't even know. I would say that we're about a third of the way of our own implementation in our company through your book. Is that a fair assessment? Right. So the other thing that I wanted to do was I didn't want to put a book out that was theory, right? Concepts. I love that because. That's how my brain works is to break the stuff down. So I could do that with a lot of confidence. I wanted to put out a book that was based on leveraging it with real companies and real people. So the book is based on a program that we leverage with companies to implement what is high performance into the company from a leadership perspective all the way down to the, the lowest level of uh, in the hierarchy within a company. 
And so we implement, we'll do implementations from six months to a year with companies and it follows the whole structure yeah. of the book. And just, we're talking about the book, I always like to give this warning uh, and I give the warning in the book, I'll do it again here. This will hurt your head, right? Like it is, it is dense. We don't, I don't hold anything back. It's not like I'm giving you a taste of it so that you'll come and get training. Mm -hmm. I give everything and there is no, I don't waste any words. There is no fluff. There's a couple stories, but the stories are like 2% of anything. Uh, it's just, it's going to hurt your head because we, this, that gap I was talking about between SEAL performance and business performance is it's a 180 degree shift. Like in most of these concepts, we're not talking about you're missing something. We're talking about you're looking at it, it completely backwards. And those paradigm shifts, it's like, for me, it's like crack watching someone have it. Like, especially when I speak, I'll see it. And it's the same thing. Like people will like shock and they look up and to the right. I don't, there's something to do with the brain in that, but you can see it when someone's paradigm shifts. And I love it because once your paradigm shifts, you can't look at the world the same way and you can't act in the world the same way. And that's what we attempt to do that on about six different core points wow. within the book. And even if it's just one, you're good. But most people, it's two or three. So what I usually get is, like you were saying, I get this thing of, I finally have words for something that I always felt was effective. And most people that read it are high functioning. And so they've been kind of doing it, but they could never share it with someone else, which limits their ability to create that high functioning team around them. And what we want to do is give them language and structure for doing it. What's your greatest hope for the work that you're doing? That's interesting. Uh, freedom. I'd say freedom for me <laughs> first. Uh, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. No interest. Really? No, I'm not. Well, I am not a entrepreneur. I'm not someone that wanted to create anything. I got to, I was fortunate enough to, what I would say is self-actualize, self-realize, uh, actualize uh, at 24 years old. When I walked into my, self, my first SEAL platoon, I got to finally be me and I finally got to fit in. Like I got to feel normal for the first time in my life and that's where I belonged. And after that, I didn't. Need, I don't need to do another thing my entire life. I don't need to build anything. I don't need to prove anything. I don't need any accolades. I'm good. And so you can't really want to be an entrepreneur if you're in that state. Like, it's just not really how it works. But I saw entrepreneurship as the only way to freedom in that I knew if I went and got, I'd get a middle management job somewhere, I would do really well and get to the top of middle management uh, just based on my experience, but that's still only maybe a couple hundred grand a year. That's not enough. Like I could do the math to say like for the rest of my life, that's not enough. I'm going to have to do something else. And I wanted freedom from the time I was second grade. I was in a uniform Catholic school from sec second grade to through high school, the Naval Academy into the military service. Someone had told me what to wear, where to be, what to eat, how to eat, what to say, what to do my whole life. And I wanted freedom. I just wanted to be free. And so that was the other thing is entrepreneurship was the only path to that. And then the kicker, now as an entrepreneur, I'm the least free I've ever been in my life. <laughs> right. What, what's the saying that uh, an entrepreneur will work, will work well over 40 hours a week just to not to have to work 40 hours a week for somebody else? But, by the way, I was just going to laugh because I have a Larry Kryptonite story that he'll laugh at. So dirty little secret. He only owns four four sets of clothes because he, he travels with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I don't want to make choices. I, I, I love it. When I he told to me that story, choice. I thought it was awesome. That, that's me standing in a grocery store looking at 90 different choices for cereal or something. I'm like, seriously, just give me yep. two or three. I don't need all this. <laughs> Although I do have more clothing in my yeah. closet. Yeah, fantastic. So, yeah, so that my trip into entrepreneurship was for freedom. And what I found is it's very hard to be what I would consider truly free as an entrepreneur. You have to, my job as a CEO is to become irrelevant in my company. Mm -hmm. And that is a different mindset. And I'm not there yet. 
So my hope is that I will be irrelevant within my organization soon. And mm -hmm. within that, not only will I create freedom for myself, but that means that everything that's in my head that has value to people, will they will have access to without me. And that I think will create freedom for many other people. And so some of that is coming has come out in the form of a book. Exactly. Is there already another book there for is. me? <laughs> there is. The, I'm excited. There's two. <laughs> There's two two paths. So we've come across, I'd say, two. If I was the two innovations, uh, one innovation is the fact that in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you had to have had early childhood trauma, and it's your biggest limitation. Yep. So that you wouldn't make the choices to become an entrepreneur and be successful, have the perseverance to be successful, unless you had something that made you abnormal as a child, which is generally trauma that's also gonna be your biggest hamstring from ever having the success you need. That is an innovation and the, the process that we've designed and how we work it, that's, I think that's gonna do a lot. So that's one book. The other one, which I find, I think even more interesting, there's, I believe every company is missing a C-level position. And I've never heard anyone talk about this either. Where this came from is we were, fulfilling a critical role within organizations. They're paying us to do this. Yet there's no name for what we did. Like people would ask you, what do you do? And in leadership development, yeah, we do some leadership development. That's coaching. We do a little bit of coaching. We do a little consulting. What is it? And so what I realized is when you look at a company like a body, you have the, the left arm is marketing, right? Its job is to go out, reach out into the marketplace and grab a prospect. Then that arm has to hand off to the sales arm, which is the right arm. And the right arm's job is to turn that prospect into a client that's willing to give us a dollar bill for something. In a good company, marketing and sales holds on to the client while the legs of fulfillment and support move the client forward to a better future. Within that, you also have the nervous system. The nervous system of a body is leadership and management. Their job is to sense what's going on, make sense of it, and direct the body to take action. And you have the GI system. The GI system is finance, right? They consume resources and distribute energy to the body to take action. So you've got those six parts. Every company needs all six parts. If, you're, if you have a body with no marketing, you're, you've got no way to get prospects, right? If you got a, no sales, you can't turn the prospects into clients. If you've got one of your legs is missing, you're walking in a circle because you don't have support or you can't fulfill. If your nervous system is, is messed up, you're making the wrong sensing, you're taking the wrong actions. If your GI tract's messed up, you don't have enough money. So within that piece, in a, in a larger company, every, there's someone in charge of that. There's a C-level position for every one of those pieces of the body. Now, Within a body, if I had all that stuff going, the one thing I'm missing is blood. So blood in a company is coordination of action. Mm -hmm. I need to coordinate action between all those parts in order to do it. I have to, I have to coordinate action to distribute resources to the body. I need coordination of action to feed the nervous system so that it can make sense and direct action. Coordination of action within a company is the responsibility of everyone. And if something's the responsibility of more than one person, it's not, no one holds a responsibility for it. Who's in charge of coordination of action in a company? See, the CEO is responsible for it, but doesn't have the time to it. HR is not about coordination of action. And I'm thinking project management, which often we have uh, Joe Puzz, who's been one of yep. my longest time clients, has been an advocate around project management, it's often not embraced by the powers that be. Uh, it's almost this ancillary thing, although it is vital and it is the blood. So so if it's Even not- Even project management mostly is on fulfillment. Right. Right. So uh -huh. it isn't all, like project management is would be a key component of coordination and of yet another in section. fulfillment. Let me give you examples of where problems show up. Say Bob and Sally are in the marketing department. They don't get along. Whose job is it to fix it? That's like having a cut where it bleeds coordination of action because Bob and Susie can't get along. Mm -hmm. 
the CMO, the chief marketing officer, it's his responsibility that Bob and Susie get along, but he doesn't know how to change that behavior. He knows how to make marketing funnels and budgets. So mm-hmm. who fixes that? HR doesn't fix it. The CEO isn't going to step in and fix it. The COO is in charge of operations, not fixing Bob and Susie's problems. What if the sales department sells products that the fulfillment department can't do? That happens in all the time. (laughs) That's like having a tourniquet around your sales arm, right? If that handoff isn't good, you've got problems. Who fixes that? The chief, the director of sales doesn't fix it. COO doesn't fix it. We have problems. What if leadership and management can't communicate their plans effectively to the team? It's like having a, a noose on the neck of the body, right? You can't get the message to it. Who fixes that? No one. Hmm. And so that's the problems we found that we were fixing. So what we believe is that every company should have what we refer to as a CAO, a coordination of action officer. Yeah, you knew it. He had the right Well, answer. I read his brain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a CAO, a coordination of action officer's job is to be responsible for all coordination of action from the company to clients, inter-team, intra-team, and from leadership and management to team. And every problem is has to be, is the sole responsibility of coordination of action officer to, to ensure wow. it happens. And that coordination of action officer is C-level with no authority. Like they can't hire and fire. They don't have a budget. They're, that gives them the, the being clean enough to go and talk to Bob and Sally and Bob and Sally aren't scared. And their job is to use the big responsibilities that we see is one training. So you have to develop people into understanding how to coordinate action, mm-hmm. individual and group behavior change. So if one person's not doing what they need to do to change their behavior, if a group's not doing what they need to do, change their behavior. In roles, responsibilities, process, and procedures, right? The reason we have roles and responsibilities is so I know what he's going to do so I can coordinate action. And he can say, I'm going to do that, be responsible for it. And process and procedures, ease coordination of action. And the last one is planning. Planning, the only reason we plan is to coordinate action. And so those are the tools of a CAO, are education, behavior change, roles, responsibilities, process, procedure, let's just say structure and planning. And no company has that. No one's in charge of that for any company. And so that's what we do. So Larry, without giving away the secrets of the book, because I want you to crush it, (laughs) where does that skill set and individual lie currently in our society? What we've found is... So what we do is we'll either put that, we'll fulfill that role mm-hmm. for them short term, but then we're, we want to elevate people into it. Mm. The people that do that really well, obviously former military is pretty good at it as long as they're emotionally intelligent. If mm-hmm. they're not emotionally intelligent, it doesn't work, right? Because it isn't someone that's just process structure. Got it. You have to have a degree of emotional intelligence. The other one would be project managers are good at it. And it's the ones project Project managers that have an entrepreneurial twist, right? Because they have ownership. You have to have an ownership piece to this. And they're driven. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice what I love about explaining this is there's probably thousand people out there who are listening, hopefully, that are like, that's me. Yeah. And no I'm one doing ever, it. That's yeah, no me. One, that, you, that's it, <laughs> right? No one's ever, you've never had a Karen just resigned to herself, by the way, <laughs> right. and everyone that's listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> Daryl, take over. I'm going to go create a niche out there for myself. Oh, tomorrow, she'll have CAO behind her name. And, on and, and yet, to your point earlier, that when this becomes that aha moment for the folks you're working with, we're going to see change in a huge way. Oh, in in organization because it, it's all the problems. Every problem you absolutely. have in an organization is a behavior. It comes problem. back to yeah, behavior, communication, yeah. lack of structure, yeah, lack of action. Yeah, so I I got dropped off here. I was just with another client. The guy who dropped me off is now there. Hits his title. He's their CAO. Oh, I, I was going to ask how. So what, of the companies that you're working with, and you're sharing uh, this knowledge and and the guidance around Good. creating this position, you're finding then organizations are like. Yes, and let's uh, every do time. this. Because every time I talk about it, the the leadership's like, those are the problems I yes. deal with that no one fixed. It, and it's all the stuff that no one has time to do. Yep. Well, and the CEO, well, any of those C-level, C-suite executive leaders, 
while they may have some emotional intelligence, we hope they would, they're not all equipped to hold that role. And I love the fact that you're talking about the role for this person does not, there's no budget. What you said, a couple other things. No budget, no authority. They can't hire and fire. Right. They're not, they don't they manage become a facilitator. It's a facilitative role. Yep. And they, it, that role. So what we'll end up doing is we generally hold that role first, then we'll, we'll either elevate yep. or hire someone Love specifically it. with it and train them. The best part about this, in my view, is it's a team role. So if you're really good, so I talked about, we have the education, behavior, let's call it structure and planning. Those are four very different skill mm-hmm. sets and strengths. When we're doing this, the CAO's job is a triage nurse. Their job is to figure out where is their blood, where is a tourniquet, where is there a noose, where are we missing part of a leg? Their job is not to fix it. That's where they, they'll come to us or they could hire other people. But being able to say like, oh, this is a planning issue. We need help with strategic planning because our nervous system can't communicate its intent to the body well. Mm-hmm. So you hire someone else to do it. That person's job is triage, not solving every problem. And so we can develop them over time to have be able to do more of those things. They can learn to educate. They can learn systematic behavior change. But what's amazing, what I love seeing it for the executives that have this is as soon as the, they finally get to say like, you know, I've got a problem with the IT department. They constantly think that we don't listen to them, right? It's, it's us versus them all the time. CAO, go fix that. Mm-hmm. Like, go change that. And that's their job is to go in and fix it. Or in fulfillment, we don't have clear roles and responsibilities for these three positions. So they're kind of yep. just all wishy-washy. We don't feel like we're getting a return on that investment for those people. Go define their roles, responsibilities, their actions, their KPIs. And this person goes, does that. So that's where it's all the things if you're in management or leadership of a company, all the things you know that need to get done that you really don't want to do and don't have time to do, that's CAO role. Mm-hmm. The things that have you laying awake at night. Yeah. Where you know it's going <laughs> to wrong. Yeah. And so that to me, I'm excited for that book. Like I'm excited to bring that to the world because it, it will solve so many problems for companies that, and like people like you or it's like, you get to like, that's me. Yes. I've been this person and now All I know along. what I do. Yeah. yeah. And I've had a variety of C-level executive positions yep. and and have shown up in the space that you're talking about. Solving all the problems. Right. That no and yet it's is. taken away from the other things that I, exactly. you know, my title said I was supposed to be there for. Yep. Fascinating. Uh, we are at the top of the hour, if you can believe it. Wow. Where'd that go? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm amazed. Larry, you need to talk faster next time. <laughs> uh, talk too much, maybe. No, it was, no, it, was great. it was ideal. And I wish we had another two hours. I'm on a board meeting a little bit, so we can't. And I know you've got a flight to catch. What have we not asked? Um, or anything else that you want to say? And then I want... I don't, I, I don't even know where to be in because I could ask, go on for hours like you said. So um, I think probably, right, what we should ask is, how do people find out about you and your organization, Larry? Uh, totally. So... Right now, the easiest way is through uh, the book. So How Leadership Actually Works is mm. the title of the book. And there's a website with the same title. So howleadershipactuallyworks.com. Go there. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to get in contact with us. We, you know, Within that place, there's links to the book. We also have links to tools. Uh, we, we, we heavily use assessments to take uh, the the specific triage knowledge out of the individual and give it empower our clients to be able to know where they need to put their time and attention. So we have some assessments there, and if you need support or help, if there's anything that you heard like I need to talk to someone about getting a CAO, you can find that c- contact us there. That's the best way to go. Well, and like you said before, I reiterate it, you are virtual, so it's yeah we service anyone everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Why the word generous keeps showing up for me? And I know why, but I don't know how to articulate it. You are very generous with your time, with your thought, your experience. And it sounds like even just the the website where the book is located, you're very generous with the offerings to say, hey, here's the information. All of we it. could go and run with it, all of it on your own if you want to. 
or and come and play with us. Um, who's the author? I want to say Emotion Code. Yep. I felt like that uh, about his book as well. You know, he will train people on how to do Emotion Code and, and muscle testing and all that. And also, you can certainly do it yourself. He's very um, kind and generous that way. And I feel much yeah, the same I, about I, you. I've gotten to know that guy pretty well through one of the masterminds. He's been He's been a good guy from the same concept. And where I got right. to that is we're very clear that our purpose is permanent positive change in people's lives. And we can't do that if people don't hear what we have. And so we made the decision very early on that instead of trying to protect our content, that we were going to be absolutely free with it. And if, if people better, I look at it this way, if someone takes it and steals it and says it's theirs and they use it to better someone's life, I've brought more good into the world they weren't going to be a client anywhere. I don't care. And so we've gone that route. So we we partner with anyone. We share content with anyone. Mm-hmm. If you have problems, if you, we have school programs for middle school and leadership. If you need it for your kids, we give it to you. And so we've done that. And not, we've, we know if we give that much good, if we live to our purpose of permanent positive change, it doesn't matter if we make money or not. We'll have enough people out there that we've helped that we'll be taken care of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. Fantastic. Uh, By the way, Karen's glowing right now. I am. <laughs> I'm I am seriously ecstatic. I just and, thought she had a new experience at the tanning booth today, but no, she's glowing. <laughs> no, no tanning booth, just in awe um, to learn from both of you. And and again, you're giving you're helping me uh, with some language that yep. I've always had within me. I just haven't had uh, the ability to articulate it quite as smoothly. <laughs> Use it. You have, yeah. you have free rights yeah, to use any it. of that. You I can't can wait to read yours, the book. I'm fine. Yeah, no, I won't. I won't do that. Uh, all right. So uh, the website one more time for the book. How leadership actually works. Mm-hmm. Com. And the website, uh, another website is Seal Team Leaders. Yep, that's also our on LinkedIn. Name. Yeah, Larry Lat Yatch. I was going to say Latch. <laughs> Larry Yatch. Y A T C H. Thank you My for pleasure. making time for us today. And who is your? Um, your assistant that helped us coordinate. I Sarah. feel like Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Shout out to Sarah because she was really great about I making just hope sure she's this. Listening. <laughs> she better. I'm yeah. going to make sure of it. Uh, you and thank you for yeah, not I only just, the introduction and also because I said to JJ like a text message. You got to come and be here. Yeah, for those of you that are inspired by what you heard today, it's a great experience. That's all I can tell everyone. So, and I'm just getting started. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. It's, yeah. it's getting good. We're, yeah. we're not even the really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, yet. he hasn't even cracked me over the head yet. Opened it up it's a little coming, bit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but have you already seen in his eyes, like you described earlier, like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he sees he's, it all the he's time. He's quick because we're, we're similar. We, we have similar minds. Yeah. And so he's one of the quicker studies, which is fun for me. So good. Guinea pig. I love it. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. You have been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Awicki. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.